Tandem Canon, the gamers for podcasts for co-play as canon, and where every new beginning comes from some other beginnings, and Beautiful. working on it. This Beautiful. is episode 44, Hook, Line, and Sinker, where we'll discuss games that capture us before the title sequence. This is Tiffany. And this is Mia. Just want to say Happy New Year to everybody out there. Yeah. Woo! Happy New Year, guys. Hopefully you turned up responsibly. Happy New Year. Yes. <laughs> and gamed responsibly. Speaking of which, let's go straight into the talk from Team Tandem. So, what have you been up to for gamer homework? Hmm. I've been catching up on my Christmas gaming, my holiday gaming. I play Destroy All Humans and... I have been having a kick-ass time because once you finish your main objectives, then you get to unlock other different types of objectives. Like you can do annihilation, you can do races, but part of each level is open world. So once you get done with your objective, you can just start blowing shit up and it's just so much fun. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm having way too much fun destroying buildings and abducting humans. I've been picking up people and with the abductor ray and you can actually fling them into buildings. You can fling them cross town. I've been dropping people in the water. Like, I've been just oh, unleashing shit. hell on these people. It's great. And then my sister gifted me The Sims 4 Parenthood. So I've been playing that. And I still wish that this had been with the original Sims because I don't know about you, but a lot of the Sims that I play with have families. And so I'm very invested in mm-hmm. their children and how they grew up and their legacies. And it's a really cool pack. You can discipline your Sims even from the time that they're toddlers. So you can teach them basic manners. You can encourage them. They can act out you can swear Hmm. you can actually swear at your children (laughs) (laughs) and so what i did was i made a replica of the pleasant family from sims 2 because every time i wanted to test out i was thinking about them just (laughs) thinking about them when you said that because that would have been perfect like that would just been like a great you had your control and then you had your variable group. Exactly. Because Lil. That family was already having a bunch of shit. And so I made them Fucked in Sims up. 4. Because I have my own family that I've been playing with. I really like them and I want them to be happy. And so the Pleasant family has been fun. Because Daniel Pleasant is an asshole. And so he just goes off on Lilith. He'll curse at her and yell at her. It's just funny so far. So I haven't really delved too much into it. But it's a lot of fun. So I highly recommend if you are a Simmer who likes family oriented play get parenthood for sure because i think well at least at the time of this recording origin has a sale on some of their expansion packs and stuff packs and whatnot so so yeah there's that been playing overwatch i haven't really leveled up too much and just kind of getting in where i could especially with the winter wonderland dlc stuff but yeah i think that's wrapping up and it's all good but what about you, Tiff? Same two things because been running around here for the holidays, so I hadn't really been able to sit and get into anything more engrossing than just playing quick levels of Overwatch and Destiny. I did manage to play a lot on Winter Wonderland. I think I at least leveled up maybe about like five levels or so. So I've been pretty heavy grinding with the levels and I got like quite a few characters skins locked from not only this past year, but also for this year's Winter Wonderland. So it's been pretty awesome. I've been playing a little bit with Anna. Of course, Anna's already pretty hard to play because she's sniper reliant, but of course she's also the healer in the group. But I also hate that I guess I have not unlocked all of her arsenal because a 
lot of times when she throws her little vial of ooze juice at people <laughs> and and guy help you if you actually hit them accurately that you have to wait about like 10 or 12 seconds for you to get another vial so anytime another wave of people can come and of course can kill your people off and I'm just like I'm sorry I have to wait to heal you and you can only heal like a certain percentage at a time so it's a little frustrating but I've actually surprised myself by staying on fire with her like a good 50% plus of the match I think is impressive but I just wish I had like another way to heal people a little bit quicker and plus that sleepy time tea dark gun is just awesome when you can actually aim it at the right person at the right time but it's nothing funnier than just see just people just fall out and just go to sleep especially May oh and speaking of which I've been playing with a lot of people have been playing with May mains mostly they get a little too happy with their walls there was one time while I was playing McCree and she did an ice wall in the middle of everything right when I did my ultimate so my ultimate was lost I could have punched her you cocked blocked my ultimate. Right. So I'm like, I have issues. So I can understand the frustration of playing with a, not only against Mei, but also a Mei that likes to get all gunko with her powers. I don't appreciate that. Yeah. There's always a place for the walls. <laughs> not in front of your fucking team when they're trying to do their ult. I said it like a good second before that. She's like, no, you don't need to do that. I want to get the play of the game. It's like, you know what? Anyway, uh, <laughs> also for Destiny, pretty much the only thing I did, I was able to finish the story mode for Curse of Osiris. And a lot of people are pretty much done for the most part with Destiny 2. The end of it, you don't really get much satisfaction of finishing the story mode. It's kind of like, okay. But for the most part, I think I'll just get my clan to level 3. I still suck at Crucible. And you have to have a great gun for that. And also, like, Destiny's currently doing their own winter events, but it's tedious. You have to go from planet to planet to kill 50 minutes or and think about this it's a present every single day you have to accumulate this stuff for so after a while it's like you know what i think i'm good i ain't gonna give y'all a damn thing it's too tedious pretty much it calls for people to come back every single day it feels like you can't really play any other game except for that it's like um, a chore kind so of. it's like it kind of is and especially when you collect these things each plant has collectible source they don't want you to collect just the spore you they want you to like collect the seed of the spore, which can take you eons to find three of them. So it's like, I'm good. I can't. I can only do so many public events of the same thing. It sucks. <sighs> it's fine. But we did get a little bit of a Christmas haul. Yeah! Tiff, what did you get? For my husband, he got me Okami HD. So I'm actually looking forward to playing that, even though I heard that Okami can be games that don't have the greatest intros. But I'm still looking forward to just enjoying it, especially in HD, because, you know, it was already a beautiful game in PlayStation 2 form. Mm -hmm. So I cannot wait to see what this representation is. He also like, got me Overwatch Anthology Volume 1 um, which is the comic book for Overwatch that has a whole bunch of little short stories like Farah, Anna, and Soldier 76 a lot of these that you might see online from the comics this is pretty much what it is there was one where how Anna lost her eye I didn't even know until I saw that who took her eye out and all the Christmas stuff with Fire with her dad and Tracer with her girlfriend and I kind of splurged a little bit and I got Destroy All Humans 1 and 2 on sale and a whole bunch of other games. The DLC for Just Cause 3. Got Just Cause for free sometime this year so it's like yeah that DLC needs a home. So it's little stuff like that and then Infamous but a girl was the protagonist. It's probably like a little spinoff or sequel of Infamous Lost Son. So that pretty much was my benefit of getting a couple of those things on sale but what about you? Well, thanks to you, Tiff, because you let me know about GameStop having the end of year sale. I finally picked up Assassin's Creed Origins and I just started playing it today. Yay! 
And before the show, I was telling Tiff about some of the adventures getting into it. It's a different dynamic in terms of the control system. You have to worry about blocking and all that stuff and targeting. And I would inadvertently take pictures of myself either kicking ass or getting my ass whooped. <laughs> but it is such a pretty game. And there's just so much to do. It's very RPG focused. So you level up and you could kind of see that they were inspired by Destiny's user interface in terms of comparing weapons and stuff like that. So it's like, oh, that's cool. But I got that and I'm having fun with that so far. I'm getting in all sorts of trouble and kicking lots of ass and trying to watch out for animals right now. (laughs) But yeah, I also picked up Agents of Mayhem from GameStop. It was on sale for 10 bucks. But what kind of pisses me off is even with the big discount, it doesn't come with the GAT DLC. And so I think it's at the PlayStation Store for five bucks, but it's still the indignity of it all of having to pay for a character that really should have been with the game from the jump for free. But you know, that's Mm -hmm. none of my business. So yeah. And then my little brother, he got me Def Jam Vendetta for the PS2. He was like, I don't know what games you have, but I saw this and I know you like fighting games and beat em ups. I used to play it a lot on the GameCube back when my cousin used to stay with us back in the day in high school. So and it has an awesome soundtrack. So I was like, I can't (laughs) complain at all. So yeah, I think I'll be bringing that with me when we go on vacation. So sweetness. Yeah, I think that is all the news that we're going to report on because with the new year and everything, there's a lot going on and we really just wanted to focus on fangirling and having a good time and enjoying our break. So if you are looking for updated gaming news, go see our friends at This Week in Our Collective Heads or Tweeotch. They're on YouTube, iTunes, SoundCloud. I mean, they're everywhere and they're our wonderful friends. So go check them out. They do different shows throughout the week and also do a lot of interactive stuff with your comments. So check them out for news mm-hmm. go and do the thing so tiff are you ready to level up let's start this new year off with the bang Woo! let's level up <laughs> so for today's tandem topic tea time we are going to cover games that had us spellbound from the beginning just those games that just had us as soon as pretty much the credits rolled in we were forever in love so tiff Do you want to start us off? What is the game that had you hook, line, sinker? Man, this is just a game that you cannot say without crying inwardly. Last of Us. Like, how can you not? That intro into this world, it wrecks all your existence. Especially since it starts off so subtly as Sarah giving her dad a watch for his birthday. And by the time that she wakes up, the news reports are saying how the infected has pretty much has run amok. Everything is just gone into chaos and neighbors are becoming infected and she's looking for her dad. And, and her uncle shows up and so they scramble go, getting down to 35 I was like hey me used to go to college down here and trying to escape and getting hit by cars at the end getting taken down by soldiers that want to take care or control the situation in the area and, and unfortunately Joel's daughter gets shot so you know already before even that hits you're pretty much hit with all kinds of chaos and trauma and loss at the same time in, in the matter of just 10-15 minutes of gameplay yeah that hits you pretty hard how he picks up and goes on from there as he decides to survive in this new world that's just decaying beyond all kinds of reason. But just the drama of it makes you immediately hooked from Jump. It's like a little movie that you get to play and interact with. And it tells such tragedy in such a short amount of time. I can't even... 
Are you okay? Do you need a Kleenex? I need my Kleenex. We're good. We're good to go. It's okay, Tiff. I got you. You're fine. Oh. I'm pouring one out for Sarah. Anyway, go on before I dwell too much. What about you, Mia? What you got? I know y'all didn't think I was going to start off the new year without a fucking Mass Effect <laughs> reference at one point. Like, <laughs> let's be honest. So, yeah, I have to kick this one off with Mass Effect 2, honestly. Just because there's just so much that happens in such a short amount of time that it just fucks with you emotionally. When Mass Effect 2 opens, the Normandy is floating out in space, doing their own space policing thing. And then they get attacked out of nowhere by some random ass ship. Everything gets blown up. People are dying. And then at some point, Shepard ends up getting blown out of whatever remnants are left and ends up getting... Essentially, she falls into a planet's atmosphere, burns up, and is dead in a matter of minutes. And so just that opening, especially when you have just finished Mass Effect 1 and everything's fine, you're still dealing with the loss of one of your teammates and all that. Well, it's just very jarring because I don't think I've ever played a game that I remember where your protagonist dies. And I was like... First of all, how the fuck did you bring her back? I know they had mm-hmm. space science and all that jazz. And then you see the elusive man and Miranda talking and kind of like, okay, this is what's going on. I'm like, who the fuck are these people? What's happening? But they took those stakes and made them so much higher already off the bat. Because you're like, I don't know who this ship is, what they're mm-hmm. doing. They don't look like anything we've seen before. They don't look like a Geth ship. And so it already introduces the plot of it, kind of what's happening. Who are these shadowy people that are resurrected? directing Shepard and why, what is their interest in all this? And so it just makes a very huge impact immediately. And it just caught your attention. It's just like, what the fuck? My ship! That's my ship, you bastards! Mm. Why are you acting like Jack Sparrow from the Black Pearl? Let's <laughs> Stay away from my ship. And especially when you end up losing people in the course of that sequence. Those are people that were on your crew. And so there's a certain DLC that you can play as a mission where you go back to the wreckage of the Normandy and you basically honor the people that didn't make it. And so it's just, especially when you go to that point, it's a very poignant scene. And it's just like, these fuckers are going to get their revenge. And it fills you with a sense of purpose and pride, but also sadness because there are people, good or bad, or indifferent that lost their lives just doing your job so it's just makes me feel some kind of way i'm fine i'm good it's all good yeah, yeah do you want a tissue like yes. I, I, I can get one yes <laughs> it's like just gonna be passing the kleenex box back and forth <laughs> what oh. other game did you have to <laughs> well speaking of the second in the series you cannot say this without uncharted 2 uncharted 2 this intro is probably like rated one of the best there is mm-hmm. and essentially because it's one of those things where drake wakes up he's on this train that's inverted over a cliff he's bleeding out pretty badly frozen pretty much to the sea almost and you're just like how the fuck did you do like how did you get here and so essentially as he's climbing out of this train as you're still i'm trying to ease and get out of this train before it falls over said cliff and you're just wondering and how did you get injured did did you piss off a rhino like (laughs) what happened to get you over to this point then you find out that you're about like over halfway or two thirds of the way into the game where you come back to that point in the gameplay you just this is how this shit got fucked up okay so essentially it gives you such a wondrous impression and already hooks you to the middle of the game to where unfortunately you have to go back and play it but you're already engrossed to wonder how you got to that point the game from start to finish does not disappoint either so but definitely that was one of those hook line seeker games definitely earned this game of the year accolades I will replay it just for that 
Another game that I had to talk about was Valkyria Chronicles, and I feel like it's sort of an underrated gem in terms of openings. And I, I think I talked about this a couple of episodes ago, but after it sets up the main plot line of the story, this whole kingdom is at war with another kingdom, and they've kind of become like the just invading other territories. But the scene that, that captured my attention was the opening scene where you see this peaceful little town. It's quiet. It's very lush and green. And you see this family evacuating. They just look relatively happy. And then all of a sudden, three soldiers from the enemy side comes over, snipes both children. Everything falls to shit. There's a bomb. The whole family gets killed in a matter of seconds. And it just kicks mm. off the stakes of the whole conflict that this war that's been brewing for a while has been brought on this little town's doorstep. And now all these other people are now having to get even more involved. And it's just so sad because number one, you don't really expect a game like that because the animation sort of tricks you into thinking, oh, this is going to be such a sweet game and blah, blah, blah. It has that tactical element of it. Yeah. And you thought, okay, well, it's going to only affect those specific characters that we play. And it's like, no, no, no. Everybody can die from this. Like no one's spared from it. And it's just some innocent family just going about their business, just trying to leave. Like they're not a threat. They aren't doing anything. They're not the rebel army that's trying to hold them back. We're just a family just trying to get out of here. And in a matter of seconds, like everything falls to shit for them. And these innocent Mm -hmm. people now are having to get pulled into this war and, and all that. So you don't really expect that thing to happen off top, but it also is a reflection of both historical and our current political climate. When we see all the time, we hear about innocent families being murdered or killed just as a result of war. They just happen to be at the wrong place at the wrong time. And you have a whole family annihilated because of some bullshit. And it's just like, there are children, there were babies, there were families. So it's like, oh man, this, this game already has my feels. We're not even getting into the actual gameplay of it, of having to move these people around a battlefield and hopefully they survive to make it to the next wave or the next objective. So this game... But yeah, I have a lot of faith in the, this game, but that opening, it'll do some things to your heartstrings, that's for sure. So Existence wrecked. Yes. No kidding. What was another one you had, Tiff? What about Ghost Recon Future Soldier, especially when it comes to the Ghost Recon series period? Because when we started playing the intro for Wildlands, it didn't have that much of a hook or anything that was at stake. You pretty much just get dropped off like you're getting dropped off for school and then that's pretty much it and you're given your orders. But for this one, there was a little bit more in stake because you are these soldiers in Mexico and you're on this mission but then the mission goes to hell in a matter of minutes. Shit is bombed and you're on fire. You see your arms get caught on fire as you're this soldier and you drop to obscurity and you die. To start the game already have this vengeance. Revenge for your fallen brethren. Now we're pretty much there just to keep the peace and do a job and that went completely off the rails. Your sense of wanting to do the mission get started so you climb up this hierarchy of power and take out the people who are responsible for that. So immediately you're just hooked from that. It's so much more surreal because it was in first person so that was what really freaks you because it feels like it was happening to you could you imagine if that was in vr oh my god i'd be freaking out I would be terrified because even <laughs> when we were watching the cutscene, we were freaking out like, what is going on? Because it's just a routine mission. You and your team, you can't make it out in time and it, everything falls apart real quick. And even in a situation yeah. that might have been survivable is made worse by the fact that you're at the edge of a cliff, you're on fire, everybody's on fire or dead. Mm-hmm. And Definitely put in perspective about service to your country, but also those people have families and lives. Especially in that instance. Mm-hmm. Their deaths were unnecessary. Yeah, games like this, a lot of it just hooks you for 
for, and I hate to say it, not necessarily like man pain, but to have a sense of wanting justice. What about Assassin's Creed 2? Complete. I, yeah. I had to put that one on the list. There are so many perfect things about that one. Even though it was kind of unconventional in the way that it introduced Ezio and his family, but you see the dynamics between him and his brother, him at birth, essentially, like, hey, you are a fighter. They did it really well where they introduced the player mechanics as well, so you kind of get the sense of him climbing and fighting and all that stuff, but the music and the way it swelled, and you have this nice, gentle family moment, and it sort of gave you this foreboding of everything's about to fall to shit, everything's about to change, but we don't know how yeah. yet. When Ezio and Federico climbed the church, and then what a perfect life we live, and, and I hope it never changed, and cues to the title sequence, but that sense of foreboding just rests in your stomach like a rock, because you know shit's about to happen. It goes terrible in a matter of, what, a day? Yeah. And this is probably where the modern storyline was really starting to rev up a little bit more. Lucy's up there showing her shit and up breaking Desmond out of Abstergo and off they go. But she shows that she's strong. It's like a great segue into opening this game up just became that springboard that the series needed to progress forward. So, And it also really did a good job of giving Desmond a little bit more agency as a character because before he was just kind of moping around Abstergo and whining about why was he here and what was going on. But the fact that he was actually able to get out and start utilizing some of his skills even then was kind of cool because it's like okay there's something going on with him and I'm not exactly sure what his purpose is you know Lucy's doing all this how does this connect to what's happening with this new character that we've just been introduced with his family and all that so AC2 was a perfect opening and I was tempted to put even AC Brotherhood and even AC3 on here because that whole switcheroo that they did with Connor and Haytham I was like you fuckers but y'all are so wrong for that yeah what got me is that with ac32 how long it took to get to the title sequence of that one you seem like 45 minutes to get to the title sequence seeing america and pans out just like the longest prologue i've ever played another game that i had to put on this list was katamari damasi because tiff you've played this too damn fuck that sports <laughs> father ever i've never heard of a game where number one you have the king of the cosmos getting a little bit too turned up one night and getting so wasted that he ruins all the stars in the universe. He just crashes through that shit like it's nothing. And so now the the king has to create new stars. And so he sends his son to roll up all this random shit. From the minute that you put on the game, you get the weird theme song, all this wacky shit going on. The king of the cosmos is strumming a guitar. And I'm like, do you really think this is a time for you to be playing around right now? Like you fucked up the entire sky. I think you need to go help your son fix that that's your problem that you need to fix true so yeah this is your fuck up this is something you can get done in an hour like honestly why do you need your son to do that for you but he's a shitty father and he's abusive but i just thought that was one of the best introductions to a game ever it just really tapped into that quirkiness of the game and this makes no real sense but fuck it roll a bunch of stuff up turn them into stars turn up and he does this on several occasions at least you get rewarded presents if you can find them destroying people's homes after they turn into stars they're no longer people <laughs> at least they're forever i mean immortalized shouldn't be immortalized because of some dude's fuck up that doesn't seem right very misguided that more people are punished for this one dude's inability to keep his happy juice down you know what i mean worst father ever i know what episode he'll belong to oh god tiff did you have yeah. a- another game that you wanted to add real quick star wars the force unleashed sweet that you get to play as darth 
fucking Vader. You can't get any better than that. And for a lot of people, it's so much better than any Battlefront game of recent memory. This is the first mission in the game where you're on Kashyyyk ravaging and wrecking everything. Poor Wookiees. They didn't stand a chance. It doesn't even matter what planet it was on. As long as you got to play as Darth Vader, you're pretty much golden and happy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I didn't get to play this game, though. But it is so fucking epic. He is a boss. Uh, especially when he meets your character. But but you get a sense of what you could become if you became that powerful. And he can do some really powerful shit. He's able mm-hmm. to turn entire destroyers to him and just wreck shit. This is badass. It's better than frying I people had- as Palpatine on Battlefront. So that's just entertaining in itself. Mm-hmm. What about Persona 5, Mia? I love Persona 5. This is my game of the year for 2017. And part of the reason why I loved it was because of the beginning, the intro of it, because the game opens right in the middle of one of the dungeons that you're actually going to infiltrate a little bit later in the game. And you're being chased by guards and police. And this dungeon that you happen to be in is one of the most important ones because it unlocks other content later in the game. So it's a very important time that you're going to refer back to later on as you progress through the story. But what I like about this one, as opposed to the other Persona 4 or other RPGs, the action takes place in terms of the tutorial and all that. It's very quick. You're not spending three hours doing tutorial stuff. It gets you right in the middle of it. This is how you pull up your persona. This is how you attack. And so you're already in the middle of the action and the stakes are already there. You already know, okay, something's happening. I need to get away. And it teaches you the mechanics up front without having to do a lot of dialogue or cutscenes, like you just get right into it also the music already sets the tone for the rest of the game as well as your character and what they're doing and how badass they come to be by the time they get to that specific point in the story and you get caught up so it was just like wow this is a huge difference because with persona 4 you come into this town you meet your extended family and it takes about a good three or four hours for you to really get into the thick of what the actual game is about but persona 5 you get Mm. dropped in i like that i guess with that being said you ready to spin that wheel of random tandem yeah let's spin it So for today's Wheel of Random Tandem, Tiff, what, in your opinion, is the worst or one of the worst video game openings ever? I wouldn't necessarily say that this is the worst ever, but kind of left me a little whatever. And I hate to say that in context of what happens at the end is heavy rain. To me, it just felt like the sterile versions of The Sims. (laughs) Take a bath and let's prepare for this birthday party and then let's lose our son so he can go get hit by a car. Maybe because of it being so realistic in that capacity, it just felt like it was just a little meh. But the rest of the game is kind of like that because Ethan is a depressive bag of dad and he's going to be that way for the rest of the game until the action of it picks up. To me, like, it just felt like you were just going along to get along. I know it's just it's only the intro, but it didn't really hook me like it should. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I knew with the rest of the game, I knew it made up for that completely. So, yeah. It was kind of meh to me. Now that I think about it, it's like, yeah, it took a while to get to the actual story. It's like, all right, let's get yeah. to it. What's happening? Yeah. So The action really starts picking up is when you essentially lose your second kid. So I was just like, with this type of game, you have to go with that mindset of just 
just dialing it back. It's not like you're playing Assassin's Creed or Mass Effect. You have to dial back that emotion. It's kind of like a thriller. Thrillers start off a little slow and then starts coming with a little bit more action to it. So That's understandable. Anyway, so, what is yours? This is another one where it's not really the worst. And I'm so sorry, y'all. I had to put Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. I love Kingdom Hearts. I yeah. do. It's just that, yeah. unfortunately, and I don't know if this is because maybe it's a staple of JRPGs specifically, but it took so long just to get to the fun stuff i was like all right this is great running around collecting coconuts and shit but when do i get to hook up with donald goofy and tear shut up like that's what i wanted to get to but the beginning of the game it was just really confusing and long and it just seemed very tedious and i was like what is the point of all this it took so long trying to set up i don't know if it's maybe the lore of it but it wouldn't get right to the story into the action you know go to all these different worlds but you had to do all this other stuff and i'm like just give me to the action that's what i want the same thing for kingdom hearts 2 because you play with roxas you're like where the fuck is sora oh my god like, why are we playing with roxas yeah i would say even kingdom hearts 2 is probably worse at that because that's even more tedious i don't want to do jobs yeah i just want to go They're yeah just- is this summer vacation like who are you and especially what's misleading is that you see him on the cover but you know your main staple is for us i'm going to replay kingdom hearts i really am but at the same time i'm like do i really have the time I'm just looking for actual Kingdom Hearts 3. That's really what I want. I don't blame you there. But I think the thing is, especially, it's always hard when it's a game that's good, that's hampered down by things that are bad rather than just being an outright bad game that has no tutorial, no concept of what it's doing. When it's a good game that has a frustrating element like that, where your opening scenes set the stage for the rest of your story and how everything's going to fall, that's even more disappointing. So yeah, it's kind of interesting how that works yeah i get it you have to set up especially for something as much as kingdom hearts it is such a broad spectrum of information because it's like not only do they have to have their own original content and original characters they also have characters from disney and they have their own characters from square enix from the final fantasy spectrum so there's an immense story to be had throughout all of this but i'm sitting like i'm so lost right now pretty much don't worry about the story it'll just make your head hurt all right so, Tiff, do you have any final thoughts? That socials, though, that Twitter, that Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and Tumblr, though, hit it up. Woo-hoo. Don't abuse it, but just hit it up. Make sure you like, comment, subscribe, do all the things. We post our episodes on iTunes, Google Play, and on our YouTube now, because we're fancy like that. So, make sure you're subscribed mm-hmm. so you get all the content first. So, yay! As for new followers, yes. we have ATW Movies and Boss vs. New so on, on Twitter. And ATW Movies has a Apparently an 80s movie podcast. So I'm like, oh, I gotta check that out. Yes. (laughs) God, I am such a bitch for 80s movies. I love it. Do we have any commenters or special shout outs for this week, Tiff? I like our piece from Twitch. Thank y'all for commenting. Appreciate the love as always. And love y'all too. Yay. Let's see. For this week's podcast, YouTube, our PYT for the week. Tiff, who did you have? I chose Errol Knott. Oh, man. Just being in my The Last Jedi feels a lot. The bad and different. But they do a ton of videos, especially regarding Star Wars. But they do like a couple other things here and there, like Batman and stuff like that. But what got me subscribing to them is that they have about like eight videos for, I still call him Emo Ken, but they have one for Rilo Ken where he reacts videos. And it's really well done where he reacts to 
Rogue One, and where he reacts to The Last Jedi, and it's hilarious. <laughs> Why is everything so raw? <laughs> but, like, what also was great about this is that he does a couple of Let's Plays or versus gameplays. The first one he versus is Bane from The Dark Knight Rises. How this will compete compete off with um, games where it's like some kind of gaming thing where you pretty much like compete, do a versus mode, a variety of different games, Sega and Atari and stuff like that, but you do one level and whoever wins that game, it adds to your total. So he paces up with Bane and they're up there like talking shit to each other. <laughs> it's fabulous and then like it is awesome. So it's just watching Emo Ken just face off with these people is great, but definitely for the commentary, check out Errol Knotts and that's A-E-R-A-L-N-A-U-T-S. Cool. That sounds awesome. So let me go ahead and get on this YouTube real quick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's definitely hilarious especially to hear his thoughts on the last jedi and close your ears if you have spoilers but about wanting to take out his mom he's like i can't even do that you come try to come up here like that's your mom i'm not taking out my mom but my boys got me handled but that's fine it's hilarious but i still want to like bitch slap the helmet off of him so all good what about you me what you got i put team star kid We've been both been following them for years, but they're the people responsible for a very Potter musical, its sequels, and then they also do original musicals of other properties. More recent one was The Trail to Oregon, which is one of our favorites, but they have this new show out, comes out every Thursdays, and it's called Movies, Musicals, and Me. And it's basically about this fictional musical theater actor who's a legend or whatever, and he sings original songs from fictional musicals that are adapted from movies. So he's done Thor. Forrest Gump. I think he did a Fifty Shades of Grey and it's just very pretentious oh and funny. God. And um, it kind of shows you <laughs> oh how pretentious God. the art world can be, especially in theater. So definitely check them out. They're an amazing group of people and if you really love musicals and nerd culture and all that jazz, go check them out. They're so awesome. But, but yeah. they have like such a variety of different musicals, like Batman musical Twisted, which is one based off of Jafar from Aladdin. It's kind of like Wicked where it's told from Jafar's point of view but you find out he's a good guy but everyone else are kind of like shitty people and of course Troll the Oregon and Firebringer are great musicals too so yeah go check out all the shit if you've been sleeping underneath a rock go check that out mm-hmm. definitely sometimes it pays me and we'll sometimes, sometimes don't, don't. <laughs> <laughs> For upcoming events, we have everything starting in March. Our first event is the Women of WonderCon in Dallas, Texas on March 10th. It'll be at the I'm Dallas Public so Library. Excited for that. Yeah, and it's going to be free. So definitely check that out. We can't wait to go and get some knowledge. And then our forever favorite, AllCon, is going to be March 15th. Yeah through the 18th in Addison, Texas. And as far as we know, they're moving venues, but definitely go check them out if you're interested. It's four days of geek nerdom craziness, and we love it so much. Fan Expo Dallas, of yeah. course, will be coming up April 6th through the 8th at Dallas Convention Center. It's usually a three-day event, but you can get your nerd on and enjoy all the feels. I think Michael J. Fox and Jason Momoa and I think Fomke Jansen I think is going to be there. So, And then last but not least, the TC South Campus Anime Expo that will be taking place in Tyron County College South Campus in Fort Worth, April 14th. I mean, it's a one-day event. It's free. You can sign up on Eventbrite. And if you love anime and gaming nerdiness, that's the place to be. So check this out there. And yeah, we hope to see you guys there. We'll be adding events for the summer, probably what, around like March? Yeah, once we get things situated. So for sure, we're going to do Let's Play if it's still available. And of course, Classic Game Fest is a must. Yes. 
We cannot wait. It's going to be awesome. So our next Mm -hmm. episode is going to be January 28th. We'll be hitting you guys back with some goodness. But yeah, until then, you guys stay game-tastic, stay safe, and yeah, don't get too drunk and destroy all the stars. Destroy all these stars and destroy all the humans. (laughs) Don't destroy your paycheck either. You know, it's easier to do. Unless you got like another one come around the corner. Do what you got to do. But until then, bye. Beware of the king of the cosmos. Bye, guys. Why are we waving? I don't know why we're waving. You have to wave it. You have to feel the emotion. We're waving. Waving to no damn body, but we're waving. Do you guys feel this wave? (laughs) This is how much we love you. Just waving at the microphone. That's real love right there.